You're listening to Donuts and Top Cow. Two great tastes that taste better together. Thank you for listening. This is episode 40 of Donuts and Top Cow. My name is John Griggis. And mine is Josh Crawley. And I'm Tim Seeley. And I'm Nick Zinn. And we got a full house here today. We are celebrating the rebirth of the Top Cow universe and the first rebirth book in the Top Cow universe, not counting Artifacts 13 because that kind of just wrapped things up, is Witchblade 151. And we're really lucky to have the writer of Witchblade 151, as you heard on the go around. Tim Seeley has joined us today. He's in Josh's store. Our show is sponsored by Westfield Comics. You can do business with Westfield Comics online at westfieldcomics.com for two-year-door service with a nice little discount on a pre-order. Or if you're in Madison, stop by one of the stores. There's, there are two retail stores in Madison, one on the east side just off of Willie Street and the other one off of Mineral Point Road. So we've got donuts today and... Uh, we were scheduled to get donuts from Lane's Bakery because we have special guests here today, but uh, it happened to be Woodman's again for us because I got sent on a beer run before the Tim Seeley signing. How so. much uh, weight have you gained since you started a donuts-based podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that is funny because that, that has actually been a problem. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. I had a doctor's appointment and my triglycerides aren't all that great what they're <laughs> supposed to be. It, but, you know, we don't need a lot, though. Like, one an episode... And then we do an episode about every... Yeah. Well, we do an episode nine days. every, yeah, basically week to week and a half. And then yeah. uh, we get we get maybe half a dozen to a dozen donuts based on how many people come. And I always have one and I leave all the rest for Josh. So you really should ask Josh. <laughs> yeah. how his And I'm totally going to blame all the donuts for the uh, maybe about 10 pounds I put on in the last year or so. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a good... Which you should start is uh, uh, Top Cow and Exercise Bikes. And then you'd be guaranteed, you'd just actually be good for you. Your podcast would be, you know. It would be like power things up that way, too. It might work. Yeah. Just trying to help you out. Spinning class and witchblades and all that. Yeah. That's kind of good. But we got to remember this. We really are talking comics here. And I don't know. I don't know that's part of the culture. True. To to get on there. To just be super cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't run a story. Many of them. You, know, you know how many super cut dudes walking in by? Troy Petrie yeah. was in pretty good shape, I guess, but I know I'm not. No, after you posted the picture to Facebook, oh, yeah, he was all like, "Oh, I got to lose weight." <laughs> thanks for thanks for pointing that out. Well, what are you gonna do? So, uh, like I said, we're lucky, and thank you, Tim, for joining us. Tim did a signing at Josh's store today, and it was pretty busy, fairly steady all day long, so that was a nice... Thanks for nice, having me. It was very nice. Thanks nice for, people. Thanks for showing up. And you've been doing the circuit. Now, Top Cow has had their big relaunch party, or their rebirth party. Uh, the big day, obviously, was Wednesday when books came out. You were at DCBS in Indiana. Fort Wayne, Indiana, yeah. And uh, a lot of people were at various places across the country. All the Top Cow creators had somewhere that they were. And then you were on the um, the Around Comics podcast. You Last taped time, that, yep. this one. I'm killing the Midwest, man. I'm just That's cutting it. it down. And then now here you're up in Wisconsin. What's your next uh, big deal, your next signing? Never again. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, this is it. I have to go to uh, Albuquerque for the Albuquerque Comic Con and. Uh, two a week, two weeks. I don't shit. I don't even know. I go there, uh, but other than that, it's uh, yeah. This was it, which is nice. I mean, just have a, a short little 
John, I think that's one of the things that Top Cat liked about me was that I is in the direct center of the country, and if you need to drag me around to sign stuff, I, I, you know, I can't. I have no excuse. I'm near an airport and on a highway, <laughs> yeah, right, so yeah. you know, it's pretty central. You know, yeah, the railroad capital of the world. And uh, but you're actually from. We, we kind of like this Wisconsin connection that we get with Top Cow because you are originally from Wisconsin. I am. I'm from Wausau area, a small town called Ringle, which is about two hours from here. Uh, but yeah, so I grew Sounds up, and I used to, this. You know, I, it was funny when I came to Josh's store. I was like, I've been here. I had a girlfriend that lived on Burley here, <laughs> and this was Bongo Video, which I used to come. <laughs> And rent movies with her all the time. So, yeah, small, weird world stuff. Com. That's cool. Yeah. And I get that a lot. People are like, did this used to be a video store? And I'm yeah. like, yes. yes well, even it did. smaller world stuff was, I don't know if you've ever explained on the show how I know you, was that when we went to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire in 1997, uh, Josh sat behind me in mass media class. Yeah. And I was yes. drawing a Thundercats logo or something, and you said, oh, are you into comics or something? I don't remember exactly what it was, but that's how I met you. So yeah. yeah, even smaller. Yeah, you gotta watch out for that. You, you don't; those folks are few and far between. You gotta make contact when you can. I found out you were from Wisconsin when I was up. My wife is from the Wausau area, and uh, in Weston actually. Oh really? Um, yeah. What school did she go to? Uh, she went to DC Everest. Oh, so did I. So yeah, but probably a few years before you did because she okay. gra- she was class of eighty five. Oh, okay, ten years. Before. And in any case, uh, I was up there last. Uh, it wasn't last, it was a year ago last August. Okay. And we had some family, either a family reunion or something up there. And we had an extra day in Wausau, so I went to the Woodson Art oh, Museum right. on a Saturday morning. And yeah. the Woodson Art Museum had a, an exhibit about Tim Seeley. So yeah. I knew that they had, a, uh, they had one about comics and cartooning, so I talked everybody into going there to check it out. And you just go around the corner, and boom, there's a big Tim Seeley room, and there's pages on the wall. And then also, and one of the things I want to ask you about, was there were uh, there were examples of artwork from your students? So you did a yeah. class there. Yeah, it was a, just a weird thing because the, the Woodson Museum in Wausau is like a it's usually like a birds and art museum, you know, like mm-hmm. it's like naturalistic. You know, Lots whatever. of birds, but yeah. they uh, they kind of want to do outreach stuff to like the kids in the in the area and do stuff with like summer programs. So that that year they decided to do a comic thing, and like for me it was perfect because I could just go home for a week to my hometown or whatever. But uh. Yeah, my kids were amazing. Like, I had two classes. One was like, um, like eight to tw- eight to thirteen years old or older, I think it was. And the other class was like fifteen to eighteen year old or something like that. And they were just awesome. They were super into it. But like, getting to watch kids draw comics, uh, that'll blow your mind, man. That's just that changes everything. But like, the weirdest part about that was that in Wausau there was no comic book stores, yeah. so like, there was no way for me to send my kids to get books or anything. And you know, it was just. Weird. Are these the kids that you bought Teen Titans for? That's that story, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what happened. They, uh, and I, the comics that I did have were all DC books, and these kids were afraid of them. Because they were, like, the, the younger kids. Like, they were like, oh, it's so gory and gross. Like, I think it was one of the ones that McKeever wrote where, like, the giant dog kills some teenage girl or something. <laughs> like, this is the... Then they had been watching Teen Titans Go at the time. So they are like, oh, my God, they're crying, basically. It's like, thanks, DC. That's uh, it's fantastic. Now I'm going to get reported and, you know, go to jail for you making kids' comics that terrify people, but make your little girls cry. Way to go. But, yeah, so... But, yeah, it was... It, it, I would love to do more of that kind of stuff. And it's just sad to see, like, a town like Wausau, which is a pretty... I mean, it's not a huge town. You've been there, but, you know, it's... There's just very little of the kind of you know access to comics that I had as a kid. But I mean, even when I was a kid, I, we had to drive to Green Bay or uh, Eau Claire or Madison to get you know most How to get comics. Big is Wausau. 
Uh, I think it's like 30,000. Probably. Okay. 30, but there's 40. a lot of little small towns around it, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's kind of a... It's a uh, metropolitan area kind of thing. Yeah. What, what would I... What would it... What would I compare it to? Um... I mean, it's a lot like Eau Claire. I mean, it's kind yeah, of similar. I would say yeah. very much like Because the Eau Claire is 75,000-ish. Yeah, total, yeah. yeah. It's, about, it's about the same It's like kind a of little thing. bigger than Stevens Point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another place that we would go to when we were kids to get comics. Because yeah. we'd, like, we'd go to the grocery store, and then every once in a while we... Because there was no comic book store. There was, you know, until later. When I was a teenager, there was. But, yeah, that's how we, uh, that's how we got into that stuff. And, you know, now, like, there's probably no comic book stores between... Maybe what Madison and and Canada? I, mean, yeah. uh, I, I know there's one in Point. There's one in Point. Oh, yeah, right. point. There is. Yeah, there's still um, one in Point. I know. I don't remember the name of it, but the guy who owns it is named Chris. Okay, yeah, it's like diagonal across from um, the library. Is it that's Galaxy Collectible or something? Then? Yeah, it might be. Yeah, that, be. that's right. Yeah, to when I was a kid. Galaxy like Gaming Store yeah. for sure. Yeah, then. that's the same yeah. one that must have just moved. We used to go there when we were kids. Um, and there's some up uh, Fox River Valley area. Okay. Yeah. All right. I feel a little better. Yeah. <laughs> Get that going. And then, uh, Tim, you're super busy. You have uh, Four Star Studios is something that I've been kind of watching what you guys have been doing. That That's uh, you and Mike Norton, Josh Emmons, and Sean Dove. Yep. And you're all like, so that is physically you have a studio together. You yeah. live pretty close to each other. Yeah, I mean, in Chicago, uh, there's, there's, quite a, there's quite a few um, like artists, comic artists people in Chicago. But uh, those are the guys that I share a studio with, um, which uh, us being so close to each other, one guy being an uh, app programmer for, for Apple, and one of the guys being a graphic designer, Mike and I both being comic book guys, we thought we should pool our stuff and make something. So we made the, uh, the double feature app, which was actually um, something that Josh had created, and then we all sort of you know, generated stories and all this sort of stuff. So that's our uh, experiment in digital comics, basically you know, doing direct-to-digital, no-print um, 99 cent comics, you know, on a monthly basis. So. And that's, it's worth checking out because it's kind of neat. The, the double feature concept is you've got a genre and there are two stories. Yep. I guess they're all done in one type stories in Yeah, they're pretty much, yeah, they're short, they're done in one. Yep. So worth checking out if you find just Google Four Star Studios. We're easy to find. All of us are all over the internets. And then, uh, you're, you're probably best known right now for Hackslash. The, uh, yeah, my your, curse and my creator. <laughs> yeah, and and the, the a good thing as well, I guess. But yeah, and it is, and now which is published by Image. It was most most recently it was published by Devil's Due, and it looked like the Image move was a good one for you because your sales are up. Looks thirty one percent in the floppy. Oh, you do your homework. Yeah, on, <laughs> well, that's on nice. Due, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I think the, you know the move to Image is always a good thing, um, just because you know stores are more likely to order. It's a big one of the big three companies, so. But yeah, it was great for us. I mean, uh, you know, I'm really happy to have work with those guys because they're they know their stuff, and you know, like obviously the nostalgia factor for me, uh, biking to the comic store to buy Young Blood One when I was 13, and now being like a yeah, guy yeah, working for those guys is pretty cool. So, and but, now, uh, so now bringing now you brought Hackslash over, and then the the Witchblade deal came up after you were already in the Image House. Yeah, I mean, I've known the Top Cow guys for quite a while. Um, comics not a real big business. So everybody knows each other, it, you know, and uh, we had actually worked with, back when I was working at Devil's Due, we were going to do a crossover, at the time we were doing a comic called Core, and we were going to trade, they were going to give us Switchblade, and we were going to let them use Voltron. So they were going to do a Voltron Battle of Planets, and we were going to ah. do Core and Witchblade. So I met all those guys, it never happened, because uh, I can't remember why it happened, some some conflict with Voltron, I think. But um, I got to know those guys, and, and um, 
at the time Rob Levin was there and and uh, uh, Matt Hawkins who who's there uh, pretty much the uh, the business guy mm-hmm. um, and I got to know all those guys and then at cons you know you bump into those guys and we like beers and and uh, ended up drawing a cover at one point Rob Levin and I were pretty good friends oh there you go there's core oh man now I feel so old when I look at that thing. <laughs> Oh, that's the Arcana. What? That's a new version. I've never even seen that. Yeah, hey, by the way, Arcana did a version of Core. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But, uh, yeah, so it just kind of all worked out um, that when they were looking to, when Ron knew he was uh, going to be, you know, moving on and, and uh, you know, he'd only put in, whatever, 70 issues. I mean, she's whatever, <laughs> fucking quitter. But um, <laughs> but he knew he was going to be moving on to to, uh, to other stuff. So um, they kind of called around for pitches and uh, they also image and Top Cow were kind of uh, consolidating their efforts a little bit, like right. with you know more Top Cow stuff, yeah, yeah, more Top Cow stuff being pulled into Image Central. And um, I have a pretty good relationship with uh, Eric Stevenson, who's like the awesomest guy ever, and, and uh, a really great publisher. Um, and then I'm friends with Kirkman and, and all the a lot of the Image dudes. So I don't know who said, "Hey, you should ask Ely," but someone did. Uh, and so that's kind of how I ended up pitching for the the gig, and then. Um, I guess they liked what I did, and it took, so that was last April. So, and did you pitch Chicago when you pitched which place? Yeah, well, the the um, the two parameters that they gave me when they asked me, well, first they said, well, what would you do with which place? So I came up with some stuff, and it was all just like just some ideas. It was just like, and I didn't know what they were going to do. This was way before the yeah, ideas you'd had for fifteen years. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I did. I had like one that I it was actually literally like something based on an uh, idea that I had when I was in high school, but um, but it was just sort of based on you know. Like, well, here's what I would do. And they said, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. What would you do knowing this? And then it was, uh, you know, uh, spoilers. Um, She's not going to be a mother anymore. She's uh, lost her job, and she's got to move somewhere. Now what would you do? So then I pitched it as, okay, she's in Chicago, and, you know, she's sort of a, she's out of her element, and she's a big fish in a little pond, or so she thinks. And then we'll sort of, you know, do this, like, go away from, I think Ron's run was sort of a long time of sort of tying everything in the Top Gun universe together mm-hmm. and made it for a really tight, sort of perfect storyline for artifacts. And then our job was going to be to unravel it and sort of just focus on Sarah instead of a, a larger Top Cow universe, which he would take over in artifacts, the ongoing series. So that was kind of the idea going in. But yeah, it's like it's been so long, it's gone through so many iterations, I don't even remember what the original pitches were. Um, but... And it's changed so much. Like, I knew the Fleshblade character that appears in the first uh, issue. Um, that was in the original pitch. But everything else has changed, pretty much. Yeah. So. <laughs> and now you're... So you're writing Witchblade, and you're writing Hackslash. You're not, yep. And, and you're also writing Bloodstrike, which yep. uh, will come out in... That's one of Rob Liefeld. So then it really comes around to the 13-year-old me biking to the... Comics are, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. And, and now and so that those are based. Are those your regular gigs? What else do you yeah. have in the? And then I'm drawing cover? some stuff too. I I do covers for um, Army of Darkness, and uh, let's see, other weird. I just always do random weird jobs. Oh, I just did the Dark Elf covers for IDW, and I'm doing. Oh, I'm doing a job for Dark Horse that uh, it's Buffy related. Um, so I just draw a little bit here and there, and then. So yeah, now my job is really chaotic. It's like th- I write for three weeks, and I draw for two weeks, and then I write for three. Oh, it's kind of wow. like that. So now, do you write in the studio? Sometimes, yeah. It's hard. I kind of have to, just because of the space that you know I have adequate space to p- 
pile up my reference and have all my Witchblade books and my Bloodstrike books and my action figures, which help me write or something. Uh, not true. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I wish I did that. I don't do that. That would be sweet. Um, but uh, So I do do a lot of writing there. Or I go to the Chicago Public Library, which I'm sure, as you can imagine, is inspirational in its own way. Yeah, I just like to see you get her a little more to the south side of town because I think yeah. I think she belongs a little more down. Like, well, the first arc, Madison. the first arc does uh, is partially north. If she lives uh, in uptown Chicago, which is on the north side, but first arc uh, she ends up on south side. So, so we we do a little tour of the city. I made sure to you know represent because uh, I know Chicago. They you know south siders have a chip on your shoulder. If you yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> I know how it goes. Sarah would go if Sarah was going to go to Chicago. She wouldn't be no gold coaster. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. Well, I wanted to do stuff. You know, like that's one of the things that you know you never see. People don't usually adequately portray the fact that cities are very across neighborhoods and sort of stuff like that. So, um, like when I was trying to think of where to put her in Chicago, I thought Uptown made a lot of sense because it's like where it's kind of a seamy area, but it's you know not not a bad neighborhood necessarily, but. But um, it's also where all the... Ha- the street at night. But yeah. It's not like... But it's where they have all these halfway houses, and uh, they all kind of got moved in that one neighborhood, so all these, like, mentally ill people are always walking around making things colorful, you know? It's a pretty colorful area. And it also has the Green Mill um, Bar, uh, which is, um, you know, obviously ties really nicely to history of Chicago, which, you know, Al Capone had to escape uh, uh, route through that bar, and... Um, you know, it's one of the oldest jazz clubs in, in the city and stuff. So, so I wanted it to, it's like all those things came together to make it perfect. Because I could have just put her in my neighborhood. I mean, <laughs> Lincoln Square is not like a really interesting place to set a, you know, supernatural crime noir story. So, uh, yeah. But that was the thinking Good I Mexican had. Mexican food, though, though. Fantastic. Yeah, Garcia's. Yeah. Could have had her eat there all the time. But, but uh, yeah, and like I'm driving around the city as I'm writing the book. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, i got to go do some photographs. So I'll drive around and take pictures. And send it to Diego so that he uh, knows what snow looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Has yeah. he been to Chicago or anything? Never. And now, as is kind of typical in comics these days, have you met him in person? Mm. Yeah. He's in Brazil. So um, if he wants to have me down, I'd love to see Brazil, actually. Um, but uh, he, uh, yeah, we, it's Mark picked him out of a group of artists that, um, that kind of applied for the job. And uh, he's pretty awesome. He's actually like Ed Bennis's assistant. And who's you know did, did JLA? I think he does, does he do Savage Hawkman? Or something? Uh, I don't know. I can't he, remember. I think he's actually on a special miniseries or something for the something new Fifty Two. Like and then his then Ed Bennis's brother Fred Bennis is our anchor. So it's kind of we're like uh, you know like Ed Bennis light. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of how they they set up the um, the art team. And uh, I have to send. A lot of stuff to him because he's never seen, you know, four feet of snow. There are no favelas in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This year there is no four feet of snow. No, true. Nothing to worry about. Not yet. It'll happen. In the the first issue, which play takes place this February, and it's like four feet of snow. I guarantee (laughs) that my book will be accurate to exactly what happens. So. (laughs) Well, it's a it's a pretty good issue right out of the right out of the bat. It sets it up pretty well and it's a it, what what it needs to be is a good jumping on point that's something sure. that we're always looking for i know josh is always looking to to try and get people to to test out top cow and to jump in and it's get the hooks sunk you don't in. have to know anything mm. 
to, to read Witchblade 151, basically. Yeah. You get all you need, and the only thing that might be confusing is the five-page yeah, the Jackie Astacato, yeah, that, that's beforehand, which is kind of a wrap-up. Yeah, the issue takes place after Artifacts 13, and I do have a content question for you about that. Um, in that five, it's written by Ron Mars, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's drawn by um, John, John Tyler Christopher. Yeah. Be- beautiful artist. It's fun. And now, it'd be interesting to see if he can do an ongoing, because he does a lot of covers. He can. But it's, it's, it's got <laughs> I love that guy. I'm not cutting. I'm just saying. He, it's got I work with him. You that. would be amazed at how detailed and crazy he gets on those covers. That's why they're so beautiful. But, like, John, John sends... I, when I do have other people, like I do, I do a lot of covers for Hackslash. Like I get people I like to just do a cover, and they'll just send me a drawn cover. I don't see sketches. I don't see. John Tyler sends you like fourteen sketches, mm-hmm. and each one is detailed description. They're all lettered A, B, C, D. I've seen him go up to J or H, I think, <laughs> and they're all like super detailed. Like uh, I think it's actually in the back of the first issue. You can see kind of the, but it's all super detailed. Like she's doing this, and and like he's the only uh, cover artist I've ever worked with that asked for the script because he wants to get all the details in it. Like. Most guys are like, I don't know, what do you want, like a, like a boob or an ass or, a, <laughs> you know, like a monster or something? Like this, he is super hardcore. Oh, oh yeah, there, there you go. There's there's a little thing of all his... Um, oh, there's an ABC. But, oh my gosh, you're not kidding. Yeah, so it's super... Like a dozen of them. Yeah. Uh, that's 24. <laughs> really? 24 okay, so right there, yeah. That's up to uh, X... So, <laughs> so well, that tells us everything. We but they're beautiful, though. He yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. But but my question is about he's and in this and uh, we'll have a few mild spoilers moving forward um, regarding artifacts. But uh, suffice it to say that the Top Cow universe has changed, and there are events that have taken place over the last few years in the Top Cow universe that now either haven't happened or the people don't have the right, or they memory of having it Yeah, exactly. And so one of the exceptions, though, is Jackie Estacado. Right. Has full memory of everything that came before Artifacts 13 and then, of course, is living in the universe afterward. Right. And he says, he, he has, you know, it's, it's typical darkness stuff. He's got some goon from a rival family tied up and he's about to kill him so he's telling him all these things and he's telling him because he's the only one who knows and he knows he's not going to talk about it because he's going to take care of him but um it's just the line that he says is i'm the only one who knows it and now at the end of artifacts 13 i guess my my main question is is that true because the way artifacts the way artifacts ends and this is spoiler so you might want to put your you know all right so the way artifacts Nick's ends spoiled there are plenty by now. there are three people who are basically existing in this transitional zone between the universes. Right. And, and it's Jackie, and it's Sarah, and it's Hope. And my question is, why doesn't Sarah know as much as Jackie does, or does she? Because she, she does in the same place. Basically, the way, so the, the way that the, the universe is set up is that the person who restarts it can make it in their own image. So Jackie has chosen that he knows what happens, but he... Basically, it's he recreated the Top Gun universe to match what he wanted, and he's way better off if Sarah doesn't know. But because she has the, and as you've seen the first issue, she knows something's off, but she doesn't know what. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he. So basically, and we saw that from Tom Judge to some of the other people in Artifacts Thirteen. Right, they feel something's off because they're they're artifact bearers, and they're getting them the bear the artifacts together is what causes the 
restart of the Top Cow universe. But um, so that's why you know. But also, you'll, this will all play out um, as far as you know how much Hope knows and uh, that kind of stuff. You'll see that in David's um, Darkness book, and then that'll also play out to degree in Witchblade. But w- as far as you guys know now, she doesn't know anything about it. Okay, something is but like. I think it gets explained a little bit more in 152, but, um, you know, there, there's, there's a part of her that can tell there's something going on, but she's, um, because the, the, everything has fallen into place in different ways. Like she's just lived a life up to now. Like, I mean, basically Jackie recreated the universe from the beginning of time. Right. Right. So it like you know, zero hour. Like zero. Hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, and I buy the explanation because that's really the circumstance where Jenny would be alive and mm-hmm. and there with him, as if it was as if Jackie called the shots. Right. Exactly. I just I still am I'm still confused on why it's Jackie calling the shots and not a combination. Because after you know after the thirteen well, that hasn't been together, explained. I mean, there, that's going to be. I can, I can live with that. And that's kind of the, how artifacts will play out the, the series that comes is how that occurred. Like why. Why was it in Jackie's image? What did you know? What did he do to get that to happen? So, I know bits of it, but uh, but yeah, that'll play out. And I guess you know some of that stuff I'll find out when you guys do, and the other stuff I kind of know already. But um, but yeah, it all makes sense. But it's really just because I think the stories going forward for both books are going to be um, Jackie ruined Sarah's life basically, like took from her the one thing that she, you know, like the one thing she really loved, and. How does he feel about that? And if she finds out, how will she feel about it? So that's kind of, I think that's the thing we're building towards, which will be an awesome storyline is, you know, is this, you know, is she going to go all fucking, uh, I spit on your grave on him? <laughs> like, how's this going to go, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think that's, that'll be the tension going forward. And in my first arc, you'll see what Sarah and Jackie's relationship is in the new universe. So, hmm. But it'll be fun. I mean, I think that what works about it is is that you're it's it's a very natural extension of the artifact storyline. But it's giving us that sort of it's gives the top cast stuff that chance to uh, have readers you know pick up books and not feel like they're missing a lot. But it also is a driving force for stories going forward because you know she like her her uh, connection to the witch play is going to make it so that she's not completely unaware that something happened. So that it'll be cool. It'll be fun. All right. Well, it's it's been a great ride so far, and the only other thing laying in the back of my mind, and I'm really, I think what I'm going to wait for is just for the next year of Top Cow books to take place and see how they all fit together, just because of timing of release schedule. Sure. Because Sarah shows up on the last page of Magdalena Ten, and now is that anything that you need to work around or anything, or is it nope. totally independent? Two different books. Well, I mean, yeah, it has been a timing thing, but. Um, Magdal- I, th- I think Magdalena takes place before. I'm pretty sure it takes place before that. So, um, you know, I mean, so does Red Sonja. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, so... Um, which Blade Shades of Grey. Yeah, those take place before. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, you'll see, like, you know, I mean, there's a whole bunch of questions, obviously, that get raised by that, by the first issue. It's like, what's Sarah's connection to, to Gleason? Is he still... I mean, yeah. you know, we saw what happened at the end of of uh, 150, but you know how did that play out? And Gleason uh, needs the Glacier Stone. <laughs> I'll leave that one to Ron. Gleason is his guy, so that would, that would, be, be, that would be. Yeah, I mean we've talked about that before. That would be. Yeah. Uh, he can wield an artifact. Yeah. 
but yeah, and we'll see, you know, what, uh, and obviously that's going to be something that Ron really plays with is, um, you know, Danny is now yeah. Gleason's partner. Did that happen beforehand? Did that happen after? You know, Aren't you so- glad you stuck around, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> we're, just, we're, we're just spoiling the hell out of this thing for everybody here. But, uh, well, it's pretty up to put a spoiler. But you it's know, like really, it's a really good payoff. Um, yeah. I, I didn't see that coming with, with Gleason and Danny, and it works. I, I, like how, I, I like how everything has moved forward. I like how you've written the, the Witchblade for 151. I like how Ron has repositioned things with 13. And what if you did it? You satisfying. probably wouldn't tell me right now. I'm just going to say, <laughs> no, I would. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, and I can't prove that because I do like it. So, um, I would be respectful about it, though. I would, sure. I wouldn't. I would make I mean, and I know, like, a, you know, definitely, we knew going into this that some people were going to be upset about it. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I've already seen the, I knew it was going to happen in the post that were like, well, it's, you know, it's just basically Ron nullifying his run and, and, and stuff. And like, wh- why did I read this stuff? Like I knew that was going to happen, but you know, we, we all did, but I think it's just, um, you know, it's, you have to keep things kind of interesting and fresh and this is not doing it and ignoring it. It's doing it and saying, this will come back to bite someone in the ass. Like this is, and I think it's an extension of the character of Jackie Escada has always been like a guy that's, um, selfish but kind of trying to do things that he thinks are right but he's sort of i'm not buying into that anymore (laughs) (laughs) right after this it's harder to say that right yeah but if you were given that chance he's he's a giant tool no he did he was always like oh jenny was taken away from me oh this and that and oh oh hey look i'm gonna remake the universe and oh i've got jenny and i've got hope and I'm still a giant tool that's a mobster <laughs> that's torturing and killing people. Yeah. But he's got the life he wanted, but he's still... I mean, he didn't... He didn't remake the universe and take away that he's part of that line of, you know, of Escados. He could have done... He could have fixed that. He could have made himself a happy priest living in, you know, yeah. Florida, like, helping old people. He could have done that, but he didn't. And I think that's an important part of his character, too, is that in remaking it, he the, the choices he make I think define help define the character even more. Which is why I'm saying he's a total giant tool and not just a victim of circumstance. Like maybe he'd been portrayed in the past. I mean, it's one of the cruelest things he's done. You know, outside of you know, I mean, he's never really he's not a good guy, but he's never totally hosed over innocent people before. You know, I mean, not really. Yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, he, he's done some terrible things to bad people, and you're kind of, well, that's whatever. But, <laughs> but this is the first time he legitimately boned over a good person, you know, and a, and a kid. I mean, that's yeah. pretty, but, yeah. But you'll see how, I know Dave's plans, and it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, so I think it'll be, it'll be cool. 2012 would be a good year. This is going to be fun. Now, did you, now, were you following Artifacts before you got the Witchblade gig or before your pitches? Yeah, well, or? actually, like, the Witchblade, Artifacts hadn't even started when I got the gig. So, or when I first pitched for it. But I, I had been following Ron's Witchblade stuff. Um, and I, I, I read Witchblade when I was a teenager. And then, uh, like, you know, 17, 18. And then, like, around my 20s, I didn't really buy superhero books. I bought mostly, like, Daniel Clowes stuff when I was through my art school phase or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I came back to comics, uh, I would occasionally picked up Witchblade, but I wasn't reading a lot of it. But I, 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 when Ron came back to, or Ron and Phil Hester started, I was I was reading uh, both Witchblade and Darkness when both of those guys started on. So I was pretty up to date. Um, I had to go back and read like some stuff I'd missed, like 
uh, Angeles and stuff like that. Um, but you know, and and I think you like, which is a satisfying read for a seventeen or eighteen year old boy. Yeah, yeah that was, I missed that one. All that lesbian stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but mostly I was pretty up to date, and I hadn't read the Firstborn, so I had to do that, um, and I liked that. It was pretty cool. But like, yeah, so I was up to date as far as what Sarah was up to, and I would you know I'd read all the Phil. Um, and Broussard stuff, which I really like, the yeah. film Broussard stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah, so it wasn't like out of nowhere, which is great, because I've had, um, most of the gigs I've ended up with so far were with characters I knew. Like, and when I did Ant-Man, I was like, oh, thank God I fucking read Ant-Man. <laughs> you know, it's like, because go, going back sometimes and having to read stuff and feel like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing is, is hard. But, you know, in these cases, I was like, I had actually been following the stuff, and and uh, that helped a, a great deal. Because obviously, I mean, Top Guy was pretty dense connected universe stuff so yeah. you know. really especially after what Ron Mars has done over the last five right. years yeah uh, he really definitely sh- he really shaped it into a cow shaped yeah. <laughs> object it's, but it's very tight it's very uh, you know which is cool I think it, having the connected books but a very limited amount has actually really helped sort of them get people to buy both their books you know it's like you don't need to buy them all but they're connected enough that you know it's satisfying to do so now when you when you're writing a one of the flagship books of a publisher and they've got several ongoing titles that uh are clearly in the same universe is, is it just editorials job to work out and make sure everybody is staying parallel or do you yeah i mean we collaborate talk with anybody else or we anything? all meet every once a month on skype we all call in and just kind of talk about where we are um and it, i mean philip does most of the heavy lifting as far as coordinated stuff but um, but I mean, I know which characters are spoken for and what direction that they're going to use them, and uh, because we just sit and talk about it, you know. So um, that's helped a lot. And I, you know, obviously, like in a Marvel or, or DC, um, the editors do that to get together, but the other creators don't know. That's why you ended up with the Mole Man in like six books in one month, you know, because because <laughs> nobody knew what everyone else was doing. But um, but yeah, I mean, we know. I know what they're doing. Um, I don't, you know, I don't. I know a lot more what David's doing than I do what Ron's doing on artifacts. I have a rough idea, but, um, but I think that's because David and I have to work together more with Jackie and Sarah than, yeah. so yeah. But yeah, like my first year doesn't really involve the other artifact bears besides Jackie. Really, I mean, sort of. But you'll see kind of how. I mean, my, the art, the the thing that they told me was, you know, make her a new uh, setting, make her a new cast of characters, make. Make it fresh. So that's yeah. that's what I decided. You know, the uh, lettering has changed in Witchblade 151. It's all Troy compared to pre Witchblade 151. I mean, that was one thing that it, when we started um, when we started working on it was that Troy emailed me and said, "Hey, what do you want to? What do you want this to look like? You know, what you know?" And he was really open to just. I guess if everything was on the table, then yeah, we just sort of. Yeah. But we he and I actually went through like, well, what kind of what kind of font does Sarah talk in? You know, what kind of, uh, is this like a, in a diary or like, what, you know, what are we sort yeah. of talking about here? So that was kind of cool to, and that might be part of it. It's just that, you know, we, we talked about, um, how we wanted to look. W- one thing we kind of decided was that it would just look grittier and sort of more hand, the whole sort of style would be a little grittier, a little more hand drawn, like almost yeah. like, you know, a little, uh, less refined. So I'm not as big a fan of the mixed case lettering for the, uh, yeah, some people don't like the mixed case letter. I like, I do like it. If it's a good font, I, I, I do dig yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have issues with it. I just don't. Eh. 
Not my speed. Yeah. But whatever font he's using for the regular word balloons is great. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, now I feel like i got to really look at that. I don't ever... I'm the worst because I'm I, not really a you know, it, typography guy. But. I mean, it's not that I... Oh, yeah, it is different. You're right. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, it's cool. It's a good font. It looks kind of John workman or something. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. John Workman's good. So you didn't ask for that or anything? That was between Troy and Philip, maybe? Or yeah. Or there must... You know, I, I think, like, you know, I mean, I one of my good friends is Letter, and I know that, that part of the thing with Letter yeah, is, like... Yeah, that guy... Crank, yeah, <laughs> crank. Um, one of one of the things that I know you want to do is like not be noticed. The best thing you can do is for people to read the book and be like, "Oh, it was great," and they don't ever go, "That was great lettering because of the," or it was horrible lettering, right? Yeah. You want to just be you do it so well that no one, unless they go, "Yeah, wow." But yeah, I think uh, Troy's the man. And yeah, we're, I can't not changes. notice it myself, but yeah, I know how you are. Yeah, how you are with your that's that's how I am. You letterers, you're, you're so anal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. but you uh, do a nice job. Seeing it there, I'm actually hoping for, uh, and I guess assuming now at this point that everything else will get changed up a bit too. What's all that? Uh, darkness, Magdalena. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think artifacts. I would assume would probably stay the same. But. Yeah, and the, the interesting, I think Magdalena is um, because Ron had kind of had a vision for what it was beforehand. It really doesn't get a lot of... It does, I mean, and it was a little bit late and stuff like that, so it's kind of on its own, and, and Ron is kind yeah. of still doing... I mean, that's his dream book he always wanted to write. Yeah. He yeah it totally book, seems so. like in all the announcements, it's like, oh, yeah, new trade dress, Witchblade this, Darkness that, yeah. Artifacts that, and it's like, well, what about Magdalena? Yeah. Because I think... Nobody puts Magdalena in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I, don't, I, I mean, I'm not exactly sure. I think it's just because of the schedule... I don't, not yeah. problems, but just... The way that the schedule has gone has made it so that, like, it's a little bit off from the rest of the, the stuff. And yeah. it was in the middle of a storyline, and you know, which is fine. You don't want to, like, yeah. you know, throw it into something that it's not fit for. So We'll get one true cross and then rebirth. Yeah. yeah. That all works out. I, I wanted to call I, – I, I was like, oh, but rebirth is like a, a green lantern. And they didn't – Yeah. So I had all these other suggestions, and, and they all said – yeah, those are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what brought me back into comics after 20 years away. Green, Green Lantern, Lantern Rebirth. Rebirth. Yeah, okay. like, oh, I'm going to read more of this. Gotcha. Yeah, I saw like some ad in USA, or some little write-up in USA Today that said that Hal Jordan was coming back and what a big deal that was. And the only thing I thought was, Hal Jordan was gone? You know, where'd he go? I don't know. Hal Jordan? Who's Hal Jordan? What yeah, about Kyle uh, Rayner? I stopped buying comics in 82, so I missed everything. I missed the crisis on wow. the planet Earth. I Wait, so everything. you're... <laughs> You're like this into this stuff, and and you've only been back for. I've been back since well, since ten years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. almost ten. Yeah, about eight, nine years, I guess. So that's crazy. I'm still impressed though, because I haven't. I've been doing the same, being reading comics the same way since I was five. So it's like twenty nine years straight. But I'm always interested to see like what brought people back in or why they. I don't know. Yeah, why they leave is always like that's really stupid. You should. Yeah, it's never like oh, I just ran out of money. It's always like. Well, they made too much fun of Ann Coulter, so I quit, or whatever. It's always something <laughs> yeah. super stupid. But can you make too much fun of? Him? <laughs> yeah, it's Ron Mars. You can you get in trouble. <laughs> he got in trouble for that, actually. Uh oh. Yeah. So there you go. Ron listens to us, by the way. I'm, I'm, hey, Ron. He'll tell you. He'll tell you. He'll tell you that. You know, people complain about that shit. It's weird. But well, and, well like you said before, there's always going to be. You're going to get feedback from all sides of the spectrum, no matter what. Well, I mean, and this this is probably something worth discussing because. 
obviously Topcast sort of had a history, and you'll be more aware of it. Uh, is that they, the, people used to perceive it as sort of like booby books? I believe is the, we did a whole episode on sure. yeah. the whole TNA thing. Yeah, and, and the, the problem with coming back to this stuff is that um, I mean that's the I, I obviously partially probably got hired for it because I'm familiar with I do hack slash mask you know. But I mean, I think. Do you know anything other than TNA? <laughs> we respect you for your TNA ability. TNA yeah. and monsters. Yeah, I do it quite well. But I mean, the thing is, like going into this, like I thought, well, we should bring a little bit of that back and not be ashamed of it because it it sells books and you know, Xenoscope bid it from Top Cow and they've been doing really well with it. So why not, you know, why not come back and do that? But you know, as soon as I said that, I knew it was going to happen. Like people just. There was going to be people that were angry and assuming that I was going to... And, like, how dirty... I mean, how naughty do we get in the first issue? She wears a black dress. That's it. Like, but... I mean, obviously, you know, then people were just... I don't know. I got called sexist already. And I'm just, you know... Uh, whatever. I, I know that's not true. Uh, and I know that there's a difference between uh, sexist and sexy. Right. So, I don't... And But I'm just going to let people be angry and they'll get over it and... I don't know. At least they're talking, right? I mean, it's it's tough to uh, you can't please everybody, and I don't. I really don't think we made it any, you know, more racy or. The, but you You're know, you're not even close to the Michael Turner stuff yet. Well, the thing is, but people assume that like I don't know where this weird thing came from. It's like, oh, it has girls in swimsuits in it. It can't be good. So that's no. not true at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Witchblade was always a good book. It's always been a good book. Uh, Forget anything Terry Moore's writing. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, let's talk about accessible to women. Yeah. But, I mean, women, you know, who's not offended by by attractive women kicking ass is women. Who's attracted, who, I mean, they, they're interested in that stuff. The people that are usually offended by it are, are dudes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that is. That is some kind of weird. I've always been sort of fascinated by that. But, uh, yeah, in any case, I think that's been an interesting. And I knew, we knew that was going to happen, but uh, it certainly is a. Uh, but yeah, that's it's an education. Well, I thought it was an interesting story element that you put in when she is, uh, you know, working undercover in the black dress and she's in the whatever it is the the I don't know what do you call it disco these days, but it, you know she's in the <laughs> dance bar and we call the disco bar we call it a club doing the, she's in the <laughs> club picking up people. I know I'm so old, so whatever. <laughs> and uh, so and and she's looking for a perp and she's looking for a lead and then she's talking up somebody and then he's distracted by another attractive woman that comes in who we right. learn is you know there are, there are many other reasons for him to be distracted by her but um it was an interesting story element to have her feel a little bit of um disappointment that sure. oh, I can't believe you turned your attention away from me I'm a, I'm such a babe look at me kind of thing and, well that's it's one thing about and this is my only complaint about anybody's Ron Wishplate was that um, no one ever acknowledged that it is quite unusual for a tall, gorgeous, leggy cop, a leggy woman to become a low-paid New York cop. I mean, that's I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's unusual. And, like, it's never been acknowledged that Sarah even knows that she's great-looking. You know what I'm saying? Like, the yeah. way she's drawn and way she's sort of, the way she's described by other characters, you would say, like, well, she could have easily... You know, become a model or something like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think that that I decided to use that as a character trait. Like, she doesn't know. She doesn't think about it that way. She just not when she suddenly notices she's not being treated a certain way anymore. She does notice it. Which I mean, you know, I, re- I always remember my aunt uh, telling me. So my aunt's a very pretty lady, and she said she remembers the first day that uh, 
that like a guy didn't open the door for her. Like she was like she turned fifty or something. You know? uh. And so suddenly she felt invisible. Like mm-hmm. and you know. Which I think as guys, you're visible all the time, basically. No one cares. Totally. Right. You're just, I mean, that's not a, it's just the way it is. And no we one know has. it. Right. So I thought, you know, why not play that as a character trait? Is You know, that's something that we all have to deal with. And specifically, I think women, and especially a character like Sarah, which we haven't acknowledged it, it's, I think it'd be, I thought it would be refreshing to see her all of a sudden be like, oh, wait. I, you know, I guess I was being, I was, it was making my job easier because I'm totally gorgeous. And it was also help, it was probably hurting her, too not being taken seriously and all those things, but, you know, if you need to ask somebody a question and get an answer, if you were a gorgeous girl, it is way easier. And, like, we have, you know, why not play with that? Why not deal with the fact that, you know, she's buxom and brunette and gorgeous and, you know, got long legs? Why not? Why not not talk about it? It makes sense. But one thing we, we went out of our way to do is that I think Witchblade has always been great about you know, throwing a little bit of man candy in too, which I'm quoting that's a Phil Sablick um, quote word. But, uh, you know, like Ian Nottingham was also, I mean, mm-hmm. Turner yeah. had no problem drawing sexy dudes no. at all. And that is, that is something that we want to maintain. overlooked. That's yeah, what, totally true. Yeah. And I, that's something we want to maintain. It's like, look at, you know, it's a tantalizing sort of, it's a sexy crime noir superhero supernatural book. That's what it is. Let's not, let's not pretend it isn't. So, anyway, that's a rant. I was going to use it as my segue into, um, it kind of reminds me of when guys complain about uh, females in the Masters of the Universe stuff. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, see, yeah, it happens. It does. It happens, Nick. But um, I just wanted to mention that, for those that may not know, you got to script the uh, Masters of oh, the Universe yeah. Classics mini-comics. I did. Oh, that's right. I'll probably we take some shit that. for them, too, but... Um, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I saw job. people complaining about the artwork, too, and I'm like... Really? Have you seen the old comics? <laughs> yeah. Whoa! Be careful! I love them. Be careful which ones, because the Mark Texiera ones—they're oh, gorgeous, awesome. And also the, the original Alcala. ones, Alfredo Alcala ones are gorgeous. Yeah. And a lot of the a lot of the other ones too. But I mean, there's some. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, there's some there's much... stinkers in there. Uh, but whatever. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously everything in hindsight is beautiful, and everything is new is shitty. But that's just the way of things. But, um, but no, it was just a it was a dream job. I'm friends with the guys at Dark Horse, and they got a license, and they just. One of the my friend Scott Alley, who's an editor there, it just called me up and said, "You're you're a he man, right? Was that that was you're into that?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." I got this weird gig. You want to work on it? I was like, "Please." So yeah, but originally I thought I was going to end up drawing them, but I ended up writing them instead. So um, it was kind of a weird which all of this actually reminds me. I have copies of the Occultist over there too. I need you to sign. Oh yeah, okay, no problem. Which you know, kind of, and maybe the question's been answered because one of my fallback questions is, and. You, I'm sure you've been asked this before. What's your, you know, what's your dream job if you could write or create or draw for a specific character, a specific line, a product, a license, whatever? You know, I, what would it be? I've actually gotten to kind of work on all the stuff that I now. Now that I got He-Man down. I'm pretty much. I think I've hit them all. I mean, there's always yeah. <laughs> there's like a few '90s characters that I would love to do something with. I kind of got to do a Sleepwalker thing in Ant-Man uh, and Wasp, but yeah, I would love to do Dark Hawk. I would. Definitely love to do Dark Hawk. I would love to do the Creeper and any Kirby creation. Uh, is but uh, otherwise, I think I've hit like I got to do Halloween, which I really want to do. I got to do Master Universe, which I really want to do. Uh, I've done Spider Man a few times, which is cool because I always want to do that. I've done Hulk a few times. I've done She Hulk. So like all the things like the stuff I really, as a kid, really responded to, I've gotten to work on. But yeah, like some of the other stuff. I'm doing a big Barda mini. Yeah, I was thinking, I'm like, oh, 
big bar to sketch next time. <laughs> yeah, next yeah. time. But yeah, any Kirby thing, uh, Omac or um, Devil Dinosaur, man, sorry. <laughs> so love to do Devil Dinosaur. Thor. Fourth Fourth World stuff, New Gods, Forever People. Man, any of that stuff I would love to do. But other than that, like, yeah, I've gotten really lucky. Like, even the Dungeons Dragons stuff. You know, I was a huge Dungeons Dragons fan when I was a kid. I got to draw Dark Elf, and uh, I read those books when I was a kid. I got to hang out with Bob Salvatore. So, like, all that stuff, I kind of, I'm pretty lucky. Like, really lucky. And plus, I, I do a creator-owned book, so all the other things that I want to do, I just throw it in Hack Slash. You know? So, uh, yeah, so far, I cannot complain at all about the stuff I get to work on, so... And which played, I mean, definitely, you know, getting to work with, uh, on a Silvestri book was super fucking cool. Um, and then Liefeld book thing. I guess the only uh, image founder I have yet to work with is uh, either, uh, Todd, it's pretty much just Todd McFarlane, I think. I worked with all the other ones. And not, I haven't ever worked with Will Horstatio. But everybody else I've worked with in some uh, facet or another. So, yeah, I do, I, I'm very happy. I'm pleased. I'm a content dude. That's, that's for sure. Well, we like your stuff coming out. Are you so you're fully freelance though? You're not under contract yeah, with no, anybody I've, for anything. I've been freelance for four, four and a half years, I think, four or five. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, almost five. So yeah, that's. Can, you, can you find life as an independent contractor better or no. worse? Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. More stressful. Yeah, it's really. I mean, it's really stressful. I don't know. I don't think. I mean. I, Man was not meant to be a freelancer, especially not creative people. But just because, you know, you'd rather focus on doing the work than finding the work. But, I mean, so far I've been lucky. Most of the time I think the longest I've gone without stuff is, like, maybe a week. But, um, but I mean, you know, it's just, that's, obviously that's the way creative stuff is done. Nobody, nobody wants us around, us creative people. They just want to, um, you know, throw us a couple jobs, make us get it done fast, and then not have to deal with us at all. So, but, you know. And comics especially is really, really, you know, very... I mean, there's. I had a staff job when I started at Devil's Due, and I was the only guy in comics, I think, with a staff art job. I mean, there was one guy, one other guy, uh, Ponscom at Marvel, the inker, he had an art job. But that was it. There's two of us. <laughs> you know, so, uh, and then I knew as soon as... I, I left Devil's Due before it closed, but um, I, I kind of saw what was coming, and then I thought, well, I better go all in on this freelance thing, you know? Like... Better start drawing for Marvel and Dark Horse and IDW and everybody else. So, yeah. But my so for your artwork, you don't do you do anything digitally for your artwork? Yeah, a little. A little. I mean, I, I, don't, I pencil and, and ink on board, but uh, I do finish. It. I do a lot of um, little, you know, tweaks and stuff to my boards with um, when I, I scan them in, and I do a lot of texture stuff digitally. But I like having the originals to sell, so I don't. I don't want to go all digital. Um, so plus, I just I feel. I, mean, I have no problem with it. My studio mate, Mike Norton, is completely 100% digital. He does everything on a, on a you know, modified um, screen and, and all that stuff. It's all as fast as shit. He I saw one of his uh, videos inking a cover of Billy Batson and the Magic of Shazam. It was it's awesome. Amazing, yeah. He's, yeah. It's amazing to watch him. I mean, he, he and I are doing a book at Image uh, in August, and uh, he's been doing it. We've got a couple issues done already because we're just... Mike is so fast, so we're just going to bank it. So Is he out of contract now with DC? Yeah, he's been freelance. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, a good year now, yeah, I think, because yeah, yeah. he did a fear, the Fear Itself Youth and Revolt miniseries. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah, yeah, but now he's working, uh, doing stuff for Marvel slash Disney, and he's doing uh, It Girl for Image. Um, he's doing, oh, um, sweet. 
some other stuff, and then he and I are doing our book too. So it'll be. And where cool. can people buy your guys' artwork? Uh, CadenceComicArt.com. Plug my art dealer, uh, Paolo Belfiore. You should. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that got you know some really really yeah. talented artists. Uh, David Lloyd from B for Vendetta and uh, uh, Mike and me and Kevin Mellon and yeah a lot of a lot of cool artists. And, uh, you can get some decent priced art. Uh, it makes great presents. Just so you know, so you should you know. It does indeed. Yeah. Buy early, buy often. Yeah. Christmas is only you, twelve months you away. Buy now and put it away. You're Eleven done. months you're, away. Yeah. Don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. Buy everybody you know. Page from. <laughs> let's see. What do I got to get rid of? <laughs> yeah. Good. Thanks All for right. talking Top Cow with us. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate that. I enjoy. I enjoy talk. talk so let's talk about our contest a little bit. We have a contest. Oh uh, yes. For the month of January, and so far there are no entrants. So you've got an excellent. No, that's chance wrong. Of that's really wrong. There's one entrant. I think Russ has entered already. Oh, good, because he. Well, this I is the. Him this is the he, had, he needed to read artifacts twelve and thirteen and which blade. But yeah, this is our post artifacts. What Top Cow Universe book would you want to come back contest? Right on Facebook. Oh yes, he wants a uh, hunter killer book. Right. Crossing over with Red Hood and the Outlaws. Draw <laughs> drawn like by Kenneth, Kenneth Rockefeller. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'll work. Yeah, that guy's okay. amazing. And, but he also posted like a photoshopped image, and it's it's Red Hood like aiming <laughs> at Samantha from Hunter Killer. I'm like, wow, that's a good photo. I mean, it's not and you that's know on the Facebook page. I got yeah. to go over there because I was you have to there. you have to click on the page so it says like posts from everyone, not just posts from Donuts and Top Cow. Okay. And actually, going really far back, now that well, Ron, we know Ron has listened in the past. We fully expect you to listen to our show now. All right. Just so everybody knows, I'm terrible at listening to podcasts, but I listen yeah, to music all the time. Ours are really short. That's why yeah. we, we try to keep ours around this is, a half hour. This yeah. is absurdly this long for us. <laughs> Way long. Not, yeah, I mean, I talk better than listen. I think that's what it is. We <laughs> aim for the quick drive to work show. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like a good four or five hour podcast, so it's like my whole day at work. I'm gonna do, I was like uh, Roast Google Dinner from HeMan.org. Yes. Oh, man. I'm on that, and they ripped my ass up for how much they didn't like the mini comic. <laughs> oh, see, I haven't listened yet. I'm really it's not far. Like it's out yet, but I'm really far behind because, in case you didn't know, I do the uh, appendix and annotations dealies oh. on the forums oh, for the right. episodes. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. The problem is when there isn't anything for like two months, and then there's ten episodes in two weeks. Uh. While it happens during the busiest retail time of the year, and yeah, I have to do inventory, tough, yeah. I'm like, Say, really, Val? Show notes in July. <laughs> I'm just like, It'll be all right. really, Val? You're killing me here. <laughs> So our January contest is to post what artifacts series you'd like to see. Which Top Cow Universe series you would like to see come back post artifacts now that everything's right. and reshuffled Right. And post that to the Facebook page. We're Donuts and Top Cow on Facebook. You can find us. Uh, if you're listening to the show, there's an excellent chance that you're already there. And uh, as you know or should know, Donuts, we spell the full... Classic D O U G H N U T S. Because we're classy. That's exactly right. Did anybody vote for um, Killjoy? Because that is the coolest looking character ever. The high speed skull face chick. That's what we need. No, no one has. I don't. We need a book. I want. I would do that book. Just if you guys want, I'll do that book. I'll do it free. Because that's a cool looking character. Yeah. Well, right. She's a bad guy, but she's got a great vote now. But she's. Got well, if you'll write face. it. Wait. Would you write it or draw it or both? Whatever. Whatever. You know, whatever will make this happen. We could be the first Top Cow webcomic. I would almost... We just do a page every I, week. I could possibly 
pitch in lettering for free. Okay. Not All that right. I'd want to take away paying work from Troy, but... <laughs> But we need that. Nick and I'll you know. read it. It's all good. Yeah, because that, that was the shock characters. I thought I always looked. Pretty yeah, sweet. Killjoy. Was the Killjoy was awesome looking. Yeah, yeah. Hot girl with a skull face. I don't know. That, I'm into that for some reason. Because I, I put Phantom on Hack Slash the classic skull face. Superhero chick too. So yeah, I guess that's, that's maybe a weird fetish. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> kind of cool. So our next show, we're going to talk about. Pilot season, pilot season voting is going on right now at topcow.com, so go and weigh in. They're still, I thought by this round they were just going to go where you could only vote once a day, but I was on there today and you can vote six that's times a, in a row. That's a so. tough one for me because uh, I'm friends with Hawn and Shannon Denton and Phil Hester. So, oh, and Matt Hawkins, so I'm not really sure. And Philip, Philip has one there too. Except Phillip. I think well, Hawkins' book is, is like the only one that's left. Of everybody. Oh, really? Uh, Seraph isn't in there anymore. No, okay. That, that dropped in the first round. And, and I don't recall seeing the beauty on there either. Yeah, the beauty yeah, is yeah, second oh, season, so it's okay. on there. Is Skin, uh, or uh, Shan's book, uh, uh, Flesh Digger? Flesh Digger is on there. John's going to look. Yeah, I'm going to look. I'm, I'm gonna just go saying, I did a hack slash pinup in the back of that book. The four titles uh, <laughs> that made it to round two, Anonymous, The Beauty, Misdirection. So right there, you've got Matt and uh, Philip. Yep. And then Theory of Everything. Oh, okay. Made it in. Those they were all cool books. I mean, they were all. I thought it was a really strong group of books. The only thing, and I said this on a previous episode, it's it's kind of hard when you have so many and you're investing this for definitely not done in one stories. Yeah. So with all of these, there's a lot more story I'd like to get that there may be a chance I never see any of it. Yeah. And, you know, in the case of like uh, Phil Hester and Lance Briggs books, you probably will see it maybe down the line as a self-published sure. thing, but. Um, there's there's some stories you'd like to see more of that just won't happen. Yeah. Or they'll be turned into TV shows anyway. I think it's just... <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean... I guess, but I don't watch TV. That's the problem. Yeah. I watch stuff on Netflix. I watch sports. I mean, that's about it. <laughs> and we'd also like to say that guests of the Donuts and Top Cow podcast stay at the Madison Concourse Hotel, which is located in downtown Madison, Wisconsin, just off the Capitol Square. A great location for... Anything you need to be done, if you have a group that needs to come to Madison, or if you want to just come check it out, check out the Madison Concourse Hotel at www.concoursehotel.com. I'm going to do terrible things to my room. Tim Sweet. Seeley's going to show up in the security <laughs> report tonight. And, uh, I don't even think that happened to me when I stayed there. So look for him to it's tweet out amazing. things about the place, maybe. Yeah. So I drank right. a lot that night I was there. <laughs> so that'll do it for us this week, so have a great week. Good journey. Thanks for having me.